Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging. Maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Amen, amen. Praise God. He is a present help. He is. We are people that believe in the Word of God. That's why we've been in this series in the consideration of worldview and what that means for us. First and foremost, let me tell you, it's a delight to see in the house of God here on this Wednesday night. We have so many, obviously, that are at our youth camp. um, And we want our young people to be blessed. We, we want them to live for God. But how many know we want them to not only live for God, we want them to enjoy living for God. It's a good life living for the Lord. How many believe that? Say amen if you feel that way. Praise God. I, I'm going to uh, turn your attention here to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we'll start. We're going to go through several scriptures here tonight. I want to say thank you to Brother Kilman for that great teaching last week and uh, appreciate our creative team and the help all that they do to try to get our notes there on the app as well so that they're available and the same will be available for all three weeks of this. And now Sister Collins was kind to remind us here that there's no service next Wednesday, but it, it didn't mean there's no church. It meant join us at the campground. I felt some people go. It's not, if you're able, if you're physically able, come join us at the campground. Um, I got to tell you, I stood in here last night and was with the prayer group as they were getting started. And I, I began to just, we kind of had an old-fashioned testimony service for a little while. Started talking about Matt Denny and Billy Brooks both being here on Sunday. I don't know how many times we've prayed for them. And they're not where they want to be, but they're not where they were. And as we begin to share testimonies one after another, Sister Jenkins shared a testimony. Sister Ryan shared a testimony. Just kind of explosive testimonies through there last night in prayer. I want to tell us here, he's a good God. He's a good God. In fact, before we even read scripture and partake of more, let's just give him thanks in the house tonight. Let's take a moment. Oh, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy. We thank you that when we prayed a few moments ago, we believed that peace was distributed. I believe Sister Frymeyer's feeling that strength. I believe Sister Hutton's feeling that strength. We believe it. We're in agreement. We're in agreement. We thank you for what you've done in the lives of these men, Brother Brooks. We thank you for that. Brother Denny, we thank you. But we also thank you in advance. We got a vision of them running aisles, worshiping freely. Everything they've been praying for. Amen. So moved. I was so moved by this feeling of thanksgiving. Brother Barkus, I was so moved by this feeling of thanksgiving. I almost just called a prayer meeting for tonight. I, he's just worthy. He's just worthy. Of praise. And there, there might be some intermittent moments tonight. We just got to pray. And we just got to praise. We just got to give him thanks. All right. Matthew 6. Verses 1 through 4. And then verse 24. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. He wasn't saying, 
not to be done in front of people, but he's approaching motive here. It's not to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Look at me, everybody. Look what I'm giving. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand is doing, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. And verse 24, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Um, in the conclusion of this worldview series, uh, I would title it this way, The American Dream Through the Lens of a Biblical Worldview. The American Dream Through the Lens of a Biblical Worldview. I remind us what we already know. This world is not our home. This world is not our home. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the reading of your word. I thank you for these great people that have taken time to be here for our Bible study tonight. I pray that you might help me that I could teach with wisdom, with clarity. Make the scriptures come alive. Let none of us be bored by our time in the text. But I pray, Lord, that we would be more than hearers. Help us to be doers of the word. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. And let everyone say amen. God bless you. You may be seated here this evening. Just as a refresher and a reminder for everyone that's here in week one, we talked about what worldview really was. And we tried to define that as a biblical worldview over the last two weeks. And those that follow Christ, Brother Kilman, really tried to take narrow focus at that, at those who are following after Christ, what does that worldview mean and what does it represent? And I would remind you from an introduction to Christian worldview, pursuing God's perspective in a pluralistic world that I shared on week one. Anderson, Clark, and Noggle, they define worldview this way, the conceptual lens through which we see, understand, and interpret the world and our place within it. I would tell you here tonight, I believe that we, as believers in Jesus Christ, are meant to make a significant difference in this world while we are here. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it again. This is one that everybody, even people that don't like saying amen, should say amen to. Okay? Us, as believers... While we're here, we should make a difference. Amen. It is not our goal to live our lives no one knowing that we were believers. Because if no one knows I'm a believer, I would have to question whether I am. It's a strong statement, but I'm speaking to me, letting you listen. Oxford English Dictionary defines the American dream this way. The ideal that every citizen of the United States should have an equal opportunity to achieve success and prosperity through hard work, determination, and initiative. Okay, there's a lot of different def definitions for such. And for anyone that would immediately dismiss this, your heart is more missions-minded uh, and geared, recognize I am not trying to make the scripture American. But I'm afraid sometimes we do that. We put God through the filter of our context and it's why there is an entire uh, theology that is built around the fact that 
you're really blessed by God if you got a good home and a good car, a good car and, 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 and a, a, a good paying job and you got the white picket fence and 2.5 kids. When the truth is, you're blessed when you know the word and when the word of God is applied to your life and when you have faith in action that you are more than hearers of the word, but you're doers also of the word. And so my goal, I, I want to put this little image up. I know it's not overwhelming, but this is what we're trying to do. I want to see Indianapolis. I want to see the world. And this little glasses illustration hopefully can help us. I want to take uh, our understanding and make sure that what we're looking through brings clarity to what is before us. For ladies and gentlemen, I would submit to you on this Wednesday night, the end time is before us. The last days are before us. And if I'm not careful and I take off my biblical lens and I don't look at things through the lens of the spirit as it were, and I don't allow there to be spirit and truth that guide me, then everything will be a blur and everything will just, let's just keep moving and, and it will be at a high speed and moving. But I've got to do my best to put those spiritual glasses on and take the, the lens of the text and recognize how do I get in focus where we are. For kingdom rises against kingdom. Men will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. We don't have time tonight because it is not my assignment to bring before you all things that are pointing to this being the end of days. But I would rise in this opportunity to tell you we better get clearly focused in on what does the text tell us for our life in this hour. Everybody say amen. There are is probably no more argued authorship in books of this 66 book sacred text than that of Hebrews. And so if you will, I want you to take your Bible, whether it's physical or digital, and I want you to go there to the book of Hebrews. I want to take a little journey through. Now, there are, I'm, I'm in no way going to come close to exhausting critical text for every verse in Hebrews is critical. But I want to pull some out for our guidance here tonight. I've spoke this before and I'll, I'll say it again. It is my, <clears throat> as far as the way that it is penned, it is my favorite scripture. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past, unto the fathers by the prophets. I love the introduction of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is going to lead us into an incredible journey here in the New Testament. And many re regarded unto Paul, some strongly regarded unto Apollos, and there's a lot of different arguments out there, but there is one very clear argument. It was God authored. Okay? God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Look here with me at verses two through four. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the world, of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Turn to chapter 2 and look here at verse 9 in the continuation. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for who? Say it again, for, for every man. And we would jump over to chapter 4 and look at verse 
14 through 16 with me, if you will. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Boy, I could preach all night on that. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Brother Barkis, I'm moved. Reading it in the pulpit in front of everyone, I'm moved to a, a moment that you taught over a year ago about the feelings of our infirmities. I, I, he knows where we're at. He knows what we're dealing with, but was in all points tempted like who? Like we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Sometimes we just throw these scriptures out, but we don't frame them in. How can I come boldly? I come boldly because I don't have a high priest that cannot be tempted or cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He's, he's more than that. Jump, jump forward three chapters to Hebrews chapter 7, if you will. Hebrews chapter 7, we're going to read here verses 1 through 9. Right here, for this Melchizedek, the king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed them to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. Everyone say a tenth. It was the tithe, first being by interpretation king of righteousness and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Brother uh, Massengale, first time I ever heard the word theophany was at Indiana Bible College 20-some years ago, and I was standing there in that room, and the order of Melchizedek began to be discussed. And I got to tell you, in the cornfield where I grew up, Melchizedek never came up. Now consider how great, verse 4, this man was unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily they that are of the sons of Levi who receive the office of the priesthood have commandment to take the tithes of the people according to the law that is of their brethren though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that he had the promise and without all contradiction in uh, all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. And as I may so say, Levi also who receiveth tithes paid tithes in Abraham. Now, if you're confused, don't, don't be confused. Hebrew, Hebrews is taking us on a journey that God has had a master plan from the beginning of time. I want to tell anyone that feels like God doesn't know where you're at. He knows every detail. He knows every detail of every life Every situation, even down to the foundation of the worlds, the introduction of the priesthood, the giving of the people, later to be the giving of him own, his own self. Stay with me. Let's go forward. Hebrews chapter 10. Jump three more chapters. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping over some good stuff, but I'm trying to tie this together here tonight. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without what? Without what? One more time, without what? For he is faithful that promised. It's our worldview. We're faithful because we're trying to be like him. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to do good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. <clears throat> I don't want to play to this too much, but I felt it even a little bit there when I read it. Well, then why aren't we having Sunday night? You misread this text if you think this is saying Sunday night. 
We've Americanized what this says. But this is saying, just don't forsake the assembly to get together. I'm all for more church. In fact, it is the will of God. And someday we will have church every night of the week in Indianapolis somewhere. Every night of the week we'll have churches planted. We got a church of, I can't say it all, but good stuff are coming. But listen to me. What I'm excited about is it doesn't have to fit. I'm going to shock some people right now. This is going to really bother some of you. God can move on Saturday. I'm teasing. I'm tongue in cheek a little bit there. I know you're not bothered by that. But part of the forsaking, not the assembling together of the congregation is that we worship together, but we don't ever spend time together if it's not at church. What is he telling the believers here? And what is this about? Yes, we need to have church, but he's also saying you need to be the church. And the church was and is a mobile unit more than just a building. Somebody say amen. And so it's this, it's this strengthening here. Move forward with me. One chapter, Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it's impossible to do what? To please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And what? He is a? Boy, I feel faith in this room tonight. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek We're not seeking the American dream. We're seeking God. And I would even tell you unapologetically, we're seeking God. We're seeking the favor of God. Jump one more chapter, Hebrews 12. I got to tell you, it's so hard for me to skip over chapter 11. Let's just go. Let's just go. I just, Lord, I love it. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, wherefore... Seeing we also are compassed about with what? So great a cloud of witnesses. Now, pause here. We've got to remember the cloud of witnesses of 12 is also in reference to the individuals of chapter 11. It's not all inclusive, but it does have inclusivity with chapter 11. And if you speak to those people of chapter 11, they were men and women of great faith. But let me remind you, they had to have great faith or they wouldn't have made it. Can I remind us tonight in our 2023 American culture that great faith is the result of needed great faith? Listen, we got miracles that we need. They're bigger than even the doctor's. What I open this service with about those two gentlemen being here, we've gone through a season where the doctors have just said, we don't know, we don't know. What did the church do? We believe. We believe that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above what we can ask or even think. So why do I want to get up on a Wednesday night about worldview and the first thing I do be talk about those two guys, those two guys that were here? I want God to know our lens is that you're able. Come on, somebody, say you're able. You're able, God. So, so here we are. That great cloud of witnesses, let us do what? Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. How many know that if we get our eyes off of heaven and on to the American dream, we will be beset. We will. We will be beset. Let us run with. Anybody in here like me? You're like, you're glad it doesn't say run fast. How many of you are more just kind of a patience person? Even if you're a fast runner, that burns out after a little while. Looking unto Jesus. This is how I was raised right here. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of what? Of our faith. Of our faith. And we often stop there. 
But in order to look unto him, we have to look unto all about him, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It is this, it is this seemingly out of place moment. Let let us just have this look unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. But intricately, as, as so directed by the Holy Ghost, the authorship pins to see Jesus must be to see the cross. Must be to see the shame. We cannot only focus on his throne. We must focus on that journey. Jump, jump another chapter, Hebrews 13. Are you okay? Hebrews 13. I hope you are. Verse 15 and verse 16, by him, therefore let us offer sacrifice of praise to God continually. And we need to know this as believers. I, 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 I would be wrong to not tell you that here in America we are Standing at the threshold of the hour where they will try to silence our churches. Be aware. And this is not conspiracy theory. This is the last days. By him. Therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise. To which I would even say there is a difference. And I don't want to get into a debate on this. But there is a difference between praise and the sacrifice of praise. To our God continually. That is the fruit of our lips. Doing what? Giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to. Communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, you're good. You're worthy. I had a bad day and forgot that you're good. I walked in here tonight beat down and forgot that you're the one that picked me up in the first place. I, I'm not asking if your kids have been a mess. I'm asking if you're God has been good. I, on a Wednesday night, maybe it's been a tough day at work. Maybe the bills aren't balancing out. Maybe you've got, I'm talking to somebody in the room tonight. The finances don't seem to match the need. And yet we come in this place and we remember with a sacrifice of praise. Glory to God on this Wednesday night. For he, he's good. He's good. He's good. And when I want to give up here on chapter 13, I, I look back that there is a great cloud of witnesses that came through harder times than mine. If Abraham, who was asked to search out a city whose builder and maker was God, those eternal foundations, if, if Abraham, the father of the faith, was asked by God directly to take his only son, Isaac, and put him on an altar, and Abraham can be mentioned being full of faith, and oh, I gotta be here in America with my car in the parking lot and clothes on my, I gotta get up on a Wednesday night and say, the Lord is good, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. And I don't, I don't ever, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to graduate from this. I don't want to graduate from this. Well, Pastor Carson, you're, you're too emotional. I'm trying to just be biblical. Just trying to be biblical. I want it to be the fruit of my lips. A lot of times the fruit of my lips has to grow out of the darkness of my spirit. Something deep on the inside of me. We need the fruit of the Spirit on display in our lives. And I believe that when the fruit of the Spirit is at work in our life, it will be on display in our mouth, in our speech, in our praise. Go down, go down to verse 18. Verse 18 seems to come out of nowhere, but it's not. The author said, pray for us. Pray for us. For we 
trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live how? Honestly. Let's, I'll, stop, I'll stop in Hebrews uh, there for now. I, I want to stop there and I want to I remind us here on this Wednesday night out of simply one, one text that seems to take this incredible look from the Old Testament. Hebrews is the same. wasn't going to do this. <clears throat> Hebrews is the same book that tells me about that Old Testament. How many remember the tabernacle that there was a curtain between the altar of incense and the most holy? Anybody remember this? Between the Ark of the Covenant, there was a curtain. Hebrews is the book that tells us his body was that curtain. And when his body was when his body was pierced on that cross and he yielded up the ghost, the Bible, that's why the Bible says that that, that veil went and ripped from top to bottom. That thing that they, it'd take them a multitude of guys to carry and to get together and to try to orchestrate when his body, because when his body was pierced, that's why we're not a, we are not bashful to praise him. He died us. He was the lamb slain for us. You know what? I am, I am confident as I've ever been in all my life. I am as confident as I've ever been all my life that churches need to praise God. I mean it. I mean praise God. Showing up is not enough. Clapping of the hands. What was the clapping of the hands? How many remember this? The institution of the clapping of the hands, and some people got after this. The initial institution of the clapping of the hands, when we begin to magnify the Lord, the clapping of the hands was the illustration of the chains that fell off the Israelites. It is the falling, it is the burden. At the cross, at the cross, where I first? And the of my heart rode away. It was there by faith. Ladies and gentlemen, this whole worldview thing is about looking through the lens of faith and saying, I am, I am lost without him, but I'm found in him. I'm on my way to hell without him. But that great cloud of witnesses tells me if I'll press forward in faith, I can make this, for the race is not to the swift, but whoever runs with patience. And so we walk in here on a Sunday or on a Wednesday, and we are not apologetic that when we sing. And sometimes we sing songs that some of you just don't even like to sing. Right? You might not even know the words. Nothing should keep you from doing this. I don't, I don't even know what that song was they sang tonight. No offense. I've never heard that. That first one. So I just had to look at the words. Because I was doing one of these at first. One eye closed, one eye trying to lead, read the lyrics. Trying to sing along. Anybody besides me just trying to sing along. But then I started noticing some of the lyrics. I did not know the melody, but I believed the words. Believes the words. And my worldview, I got to tell you, my flesh, my flesh said, sing something I know. I'm, I sound old or older. And Cameron, he can handle it. That's the only reason I'm saying this. It was a good song. But my flesh was like, I don't even know this. But my worldview, my biblical worldview made me examine the truth of the word. Find myself thinking, he is worthy. He is good. He, here's a good place. Let's just love him for a moment. Let's just, mm, let's just praise him for a moment. Ah. We praise you, God. We worship you, oh God. Come on, somebody let it be a sacrifice of praise. Not just praise, but a sacrifice of praise. 
Get out of your comfort zone just a little bit. Let your mouth be loud. Come on, just praise him a little bit. You're good. You're good. You're good. Praise God. Praise God. I, and I, I would tell you, I'm talking to mainly just adults here on this Wednesday night, and even a lot of adults are at camp. I've been working through this. I've even talked to the pastoral team and uh, met with a, a group yesterday. The Lord's been challenging me in part of my worship in this biblical worldview. Part of my worship is giving and giving of the church. We've looked at all different kinds of ways. How do we honor and celebrate the giving of the body? This is something we're working through. People give. It's not, it's not lost on us that people work hard and then give of those hard-earned finances. And I believe that we return our tithes and we give of our offerings. Uh, Randy Alcorn made a great statement in a, his book. He wrote a book called Money, Possessions, and eternity. Sorry, I didn't give that to the media team, but he made this statement that kind of latched into my spirit. Um, he was talking about tithing, that, that initial 10%. And he, he made the statement, tithing is not the finish line, it's the starting block. And there's really an easy examination of the Old Testament that 10%, most of the Israelites gave closer to 20% when it came to tithes and then offerings and the giving. Don't get nervous, we're not trying to but I've been on this journey of my worldview. Do I love to give to the king? Do I love? And I asked a question. I asked, and maybe I'm being too transparent. If anything, I'm, I'm too transparent sometimes. But I try to be with you the way that I feel like I should be as a pastor and, and the way that you should be uh, even before the Lord. And to be honest, I asked a question and it came, out of my, it came out of my mouth because it was in my heart and from my prayer. I asked, I asked the question, if we did our worship service like we did our offering service, what would our service look like? That's a challenge, right? Pastor Carson, what's going on? Is giving? Are you, are you worried about giving? Not at all. Giving's incredible. I'm worried about the heart. What is my motive for giving? I'll tell you why I want to give of my time and give of my talent. He's everything to me. Whew. He's everything. To me. So I've been on this, I've been on this journey and I, I, I kept telling the Lord, Lord, I, I'm, I'm trying to work on worldview and I could not get away from this. The Lord, even when I wanted to call a prayer meeting, this was the, this was the text and this concept is what he kept, he kept working on me about if, if you really love me, Giving to my kingdom is a blessing, not a chore. But if I'm not careful, my giving will become sporadic. My, my tithe isn't the first thing I give. It's if I get to it, I give. My offerings to missions and missionaries. Again, I'm going to talk to me and, and, and you just listen for a minute. I'll give it if I have it. I'll give it if there's an abundance to give it. The only problem is I can't seem to find that scripturally. F.F. Bruce made a statement, in the natural sphere it is impossible for a slave to serve two masters for each claims him as his property. And the slave must respond to one or other of the claims with entire devotion, either from love or from interest. It's trying to bring strength and sense and commonality in the modern language to what Christ was dealing with here. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. There is four major opinions on what mammon was, but it seems most 
easily understood that it's idolatry in the love for the things of the world, in the love of money. Money is not evil, but the love of money. I could pass a microphone around in this room tonight and almost everybody in here could talk about someone who lost their family because of their love for money. Who lost homes because they were always chasing the next dollar. They tried to invest in this or they tried to go after that. I could give you a slew of people I know were called to the ministry that cashed in a call for a check. Pastor Carson, you're not against people making money. Not at all. I, I want people to be abundantly blessed because the more you're blessed, the more we can bless the kingdom of God. Everyone that knows me and knows or feels my heartbeat at all knows I have no desire to build a kingdom here in Indianapolis. I have no desire to build some kind of building that makes the people do anything but know that God is at work but I do want to fund the mission around the world. I do want to reach in to be a help to the people that are in the inner cities of Indianapolis that I would fearfully before the Lord tell you we're not even touching. It's a good moment to say, stop and pray. God, help us. 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 Help us to give. Help us to reach. I think everyone in the room understands that what Christ is really addressing is a heart issue here. Christ is addressing motive. Giving to God financially is the result of love for God and obedience to his word. Used to be a, a, a joke amongst individuals who had to draw the short straw to talk about giving. Who has to draw the short straw to get giving in their, I'm going to tell you right now, I'll be the first one to talk about giving every time. Every time. Do you know in all, how many know that Jesus was the master storyteller? Do you know that in exactly half of his parables, 19 to be exact, 19 of his parables, Christ spent those talking about money and possessions? Isn't that, isn't that astounding? Brother Barry, he spends half of his parables. Pick on you a little bit because you understand the biblical precedent here and you even help us teach individual, individuals at this church. You and Brother Butler and Sister Gail, I think. I don't know who all. I shouldn't have started naming names. Part of that team, financial peace. and It's not because it's a Dave Ramsey thing. It's because it's a Bible thing. I don't care about if Dave Ramsey's name's on it or anybody else's name is on it, but we do care that people don't get an impossible debt and then they are a subject to the lender. And we got people that are paying, we got people that are paying 18, 19, 20% on credit card rates and the devil's knocking on the door saying, don't you give to the church, you can't afford it. Don't you support a missionary, you can't afford it. Pastor Carson, you're making me feel bad. I, this isn't about making anybody feel bad. This is about being strengthening to the body. Our worldview is build the kingdom, not our kingdom. How do I have to look at this? How do I have to go after this? The Old Testament showed four main purposes for tithing. And I really have felt tithing specifically. I know it seems odd, but in this landing worldview, I felt tithing specifically to talk about what this means. Do you know there is a great challenge? There are great scholarly challenges about whether we should even still give 10% unto the Lord. But the Old Testament shows these four main purposes for tithing, ministry and charity and fellowship and honoring God. Numbers 18, 21 and 22 speak to it about being for the ministry. Deuteronomy 14, 28 and 29 take it beyond to charity and fellowship and even feasts and gatherings that would be have, had for the gathering of believers. The outcome of this, according to verse 29 of Deuteronomy 14, was that the Lord thy God may bless thee. In fact, if you can put that on the screen, Deuteronomy 14 and 29, I'd love for everybody to be able to see that and maybe highlight that in your Bible that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all thy work of thine hand, 
which thou doest. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. Honoring God regardless of creeping worldviews and idolatry is then addressed in Malachi chapter 3. Verses 7 through 12, even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord. But ye said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? You're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even the whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that they may be meat in mine house. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call all you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith who? Saith the Lord of hosts. What am I challenging? I'm challenging a worldview right now where every time you stand in a store, they will ask you if you're okay to round up to the nearest dollar. Be careful what cause you're rounding up to the nearest dollar for. Now, I know some of you, you're not having a problem because it's easy for you to say, nope. But there's a bunch of people probably in this room that are almost like we're embarrassed. There is an American dream pressure. Yeah, I got it. Round up. And you might have, your, your bill could have been 1401. Would you like, it's never round down to the nearest dollar. Would you like to round down to the, y'all yeah, save that. No, would you like to round up to the nearest dollar? And there are causes, please hear me, there are causes worth supporting. But if I'm not careful, I will walk in every store and let them round me up to the nearest dollar, but come to church. I'll return my tithes when I get to it. I'll give an offering when I get to it. Here's my question, because God has blessed us abundantly. I think this is why it's on my heart because a part of this church is reaching, connecting, and discipling. And he's given us great growth over the last few years. I'm thankful for that. I'm so thankful for what God's doing. But the only way our new generation of believers are going to know the joy of giving is if we celebrate it. If we celebrate it and if we speak it. Stand, stand with me. Pastor Carson, you pulled a switch on us there. You started in Hebrews talking about faith. Got us all excited. Then started talking about money. I just want to make sure everyone recognizes, don't tune out. I was talking about faith the whole time. I was talking about faith the whole time. And I have lived long enough myself now to know from this timeless truth that it is true. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed go begging for bread. We got to be careful that we don't try to drive vehicles to keep up. That we don't try to live in houses to keep up. That we don't try to wear suits to keep up with an American dream that is not a biblical. Mm. When you judge my heart and when you judge my family, I want you to be able to call me blessed. He looked at the Pharisees and the scribes and said, oh, you, you tithe down to the last minute while forgetting these more important things. And some people say, see, Jesus didn't care. Well, keep reading the scripture. He said these things you ought to do. But don't forget these other things. He was trying to tell the Pharisees and scribes, you're supposed to give money because of your faith, not because you think it buys you superiority. And if I'm not careful, I'll think my giving buys my right to be divisive. 
Or I'll think my giving buys my right to be judgmental. Or my giving buys my right to be a Pharisee and judge people. I'm just exercising my faith through the sacrifice of my lips, the praise of my heart, the giving of my time, the returning of my tithe, the giving of my offerings. Why? Put that glasses picture up there one time. We're going to end on that. Because the world has never been more distorted than it is right now. Who would agree with that statement? Our world has never been more distorted. The agendas that are being... God, we love you. These are good people. These are your people. These are incredible givers. I don't know why you've laid it so strong on my heart tonight other than I know you want us to evaluate the why of our heart. I give cheerfully. I give cheerfully from the sacrifice of praise. It's my worldview. It's a biblical worldview. I give joyfully and sacrificially when I show up here, when I could be doing other things, but I'm not going to forsake the assembly because I hear that great cloud of witnesses. And I exercise my faith in that. And I also exercise my faith when I say every good gift is from you. And so I return my tithes. I give offerings. I look at the mission and I say invest it. Why? Because my worldview is biblical. It's biblical. If you're in agreement with that, would you just say amen? amen. Lord, we want to please you. We want to serve you. We give you thanks for it. Thanks for meeting here with us tonight. I want to tell you thanks because I feel your presence so strong. I want to tell you in front of all these people, thank you for even opening my mind and spirit while I've been teaching through this tonight. I feel so close to you at this moment. I thank you that coming to church hasn't got old for me. I thank you that giving to the kingdom is a blessing to me. I thank you that I can walk in here. I can worship you with my mouth, that I can clap my hands, that I can raise my hands, that I can lift my voice. I thank you for this work. I thank you for our relationship. 